Before we kick this podcast off today, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country on which this podcast is being made. Here in Brisbane, where I am, I am on the lands of the Turrbal and Yagara nations, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Livewire podcast. I am your host, Katie LW, and this podcast is made for our wonderful Livewire community. The Livewire community is made up of young people from across both Australia and New Zealand who are living with a serious illness or disability and their siblings. It's a great place to connect with other young people, keep everyone up to date with what's been happening by posting on our newsfeed, taking part in different events and live streams, sometimes meeting some very special guests in our chat rooms, learning new skills through our workshops on-demand packs, and generally just having a good time being excellent. Now, if you are interested in signing up to Livewire and you are in Australia, just head to www.livewire.org.au and if you're in New Zealand, it's www.livewire.org.nz. Now, if you are joining us for the very first time today, hey, hi, welcome. It is fantastic to have you here. It is also my first time on the Livewire podcast today, and I'm very excited to be taking the reins from the talented Tristan LW, who has both been hosting, creating, and coordinating this podcast since it came into being 36 episodes ago. As the end of the year quickly approaches, we have had so many of you tell us about the exams and projects that are quickly sneaking up on you right now. So we've gotten in touch with a couple of people who can help us get the most out of our minds. Later on in the podcast, we will be chatting to Dr. Susie Green, CEO of the Positivity Institute and Positive Psychologist, about what positive psychology actually is and how it can help us every day, particularly around this time of year. We will also be hearing from Fiona Livewire, who is bringing us the latest of our regular live streams that has started in the month of October, which is Mindfulness Mondays. As always, let's kick off this Livewire podcast with the Livewire Roundup. Throughout the month of October, we have been celebrating all creatures great and small, which has meant that at the beginning of this month, we kicked it off with a photo competition where we asked you to submit photos of your pets to the Livewire photo competition. Honestly, look, it was just an excuse to see all of your fantastic puppies and kitties and say things like, oh, and so cute. And honestly, it has been the best time. I highly recommend scrolling back through those photos whenever you are feeling a little bit blue because I can tell you whenever I see a smile and pup, I feel much better. We have also continued the storytelling competition into the month of October, which has seen dozens of excellent stories, poems, sometimes lists submitted to Livewire. For those of you who have received your Kindles already, we hope that you are enjoying the stories from other members that were loaded onto the Kindles before you got them. We were also visited this month by Zookeeper Adam, who chatted to us all about what it is like to be a zookeeper and what it's like to become a viral dancing sensation. 
And finally, last but not least, this month's workshop on demand was the Pup Portraits Pack that was sent out to anyone who wanted to try their hand at watercolours. That tutorial is still available online. Now, if you have got some portraits that you have done from the workshop on demand pack, please, please, please post them on the newsfeed. We would absolutely love to see them. Earlier this month, we asked you in the community what you do when you need to chill out. Bear Bear said, usually to chill and relax, I hop on my Switch and play Animal Crossing, draw on my iPad or watch Thomas Sanders. Charlotte F said, to relax, I like to listen to music as I can focus on the words of the song instead of worrying about whatever I'm worrying about. Sophie H said, sleep, read and watch TV. And the Dodo Lord said, literally nothing. These are some words of wisdom to live by when you need to take a little brain break. Some more words of wisdom that we've got coming at you right now is our interview with Dr. Susie Green. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susie. I'd like to get into some questions that we have from some of our members on the site. But uh, to start off with, I'd really love to hear about your personal journey into positive psychology and how you came to be where you are today. It's been a bit of a long and <laughs> as most, I mean, a lot of people have a, you know, quite varied journeys, I guess. But I left school when I was 16, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. No one in my family had been to university, so it wasn't even on my radar at that point. And I was fortunate enough to meet someone that encouraged me to go back to university as a mature age student at around 24, I think I was. And it, it took about 10 years and two children later, actually possibly a little bit longer, maybe 12, and I came out with a, a doctorate in clinical psychology. So a lot of your listeners might be very familiar, I guess, with the field of clinical psychology. So we technically help people that are struggling with mental illness in particular. And I did that. So I worked as a clinical psychologist for quite a, a period of time, helped people that were really, really struggling. I worked down in the Illawarra at the time. And then I was fortunate to do, as part of my doctorate, I actually did a study on coaching, which is uh, some, again, some people might be familiar with the idea of life coaching or well-being coaching or leadership coaching, which occurs really frequently in the corporate sector. So I did a study that was able to show that if we help people set personally meaningful goals, so not just any goal that you have to set, but one that you really want to, and you have some support by somebody working alongside you, then you're more likely to achieve your goals and you're more likely to experience elevated levels of psychological well-being. So that study, um, which, as I said, formed part of my, my doctorate, I then went on and did, I think, another three or four randomised control trials, which are like really, really you know, rigorous scientific studies on the field of coaching. And I did quite a few studies in schools, did some studies with senior high school students, so 16 to 18. And again, we were able to show that if we can help them clearly identify a goal that they want to pursue, not one that they have to because school wants them to or their parents want them to, but if we can help them find a goal that they want to work on and we support them through that goal striving process, like on the way, the journey of, you know, of reaching your goals, then again, you not only do better at your goals, 
but you experience this elevated levels of well-being. So I've been a really, I guess, a big uh, proponent, a big supporter of encouraging people to be much more proactive about their mental health. And one way to do that is through this goal setting and coaching. But there are many ways to do that. And I'm really looking forward to talk about talking about that today too. So yeah, and then I guess I've been running the Positivity Institute for I think it's eight years this year. And it came to a point I was doing a lot of work one-on-one. -on -one. So myself with you know people that were struggling with mental health issues, uh, also senior executives in the workplace. But it started to get really busy as the field started to expand and, and I taught it at Sydney Uni for 10 years. So I was lucky to meet some really fabulous students who now actually work with me. So I have about a team of 15 across Australia and we do workshops, webinars right now, lots of webinars, and we do coaching. And we do student coaching as well, which is a service that we only recently just launched through COVID. So I've got an amazing group of people that are working with me at the Positivity Institute. What does student coaching encompass? Yeah, so it's similar to, I guess, life coaching or personal coaching, but we usually ask the young person to set an academic goal because, you know, they're, they've clearly got goals that they're working on in terms of their academic, particularly if they're doing their senior high school years, HSC or whatever it is that they're doing. But we also get them to set a personal goal or a well-being goal. So it could be a lot of, for a lot of students, and I coached myself, I coached one-on-one -on -one a lot of students in the early part of my career. I actually loved it because it was wonderful working with young people, but also helping them to see beyond senior high school because there's so much pressure and focus particularly, you know, on that HSC, if you're here in New South Wales, that it's hard to see beyond that. And so part of coaching is definitely supporting the students to reach their academic goals, but to also think about other goals in their life, whether they are health-related goals. A lot of students have health or exercise, friendship goals. It could be financial goals. It could be business. There's a lot of young people that are doing amazing entrepreneurial work right now. So, you know, and you sort of balance that well-being personal goal out with your academic goal. And so you sort of work on those simultaneously. And what we, we tended to find was that the energy that you were getting from a lot of your personal goals, you could bring into your academic goals, particularly when you're getting really, you know, a loss of motivation. Yeah. Well, I feel like that feeds really well into our first question today, which comes from Charlotte F. And Charlotte wants to know, what is positive psychology? How is it different from the psychology that we normally come across in our day to day? The field of psychology is big and there are lots of subfields like health psychology, which again, a lot of people might be familiar with, sports psychology. And positive psychology is a field that emerged 20 years ago now, although it was existing in, in a form known as humanistic psychology in the 60s, where there were some really interesting psychologists that wanted to understand what it meant to be a fully functioning human being, like what it meant to, and the term that was used is self-actualize, which is a, a big term, but it basically means to be your best self. And so for the last 20 years, Positive psychology has been a field that's been able to really scientifically investigate what can we do to be our best selves? Or we use the F word, which is flourish. 
So what can we do to flourish, you know, to experience high levels of well-being? And we do know, just in case people are a bit concerned, that you can still be experiencing a health disorder or even a mental health disorder or, or a physical health disorder. And there are certainly applications of positive psychology. There's a lot that you can take from it to support you. Yeah, great. Um, so when you say, because you really just touched on just there, that for a lot of like the young people who are involved in Livewire, something like positive psychology, you might think, oh, I've got, you know, so much other stuff going on. How can it be useful for me? And that's a question that actually came from Dom. He'd really love to know what is a good example of positive psychology? And there's so many, and we've been really fortunate to work with the Starlight Children's Foundation for a number of years now, and they're walking, talking examples of an organisation, I guess, that really lives it. But I guess at, a, at an individual level, and you can look at positive psychology at the individual, so what's in it for me? You can also look at it from a group, like if we're in a group, like how can we use this in a team or in a group setting? And you can look at it across say, a whole school. So we work with whole schools on implementing positive psychology as well or whole organisations. But some really simple examples and really common ones are, for example, uh, gratitude. Particularly, and I know when and having worked with clients that have had significant struggles, it can sometimes be really hard to focus on the things that might be going well. But I guess I have had the experience of working with people that have had, as I said, really quite difficult challenges but they can find something really little, even if it's like a chat to a friend on the phone, like laughing, watching a, a funny movie or, you know, sitting in the sunshine and being really mindful and, and present and aware of where we live. So it's really like they call it hunting the good stuff, like hunting mm. the good stuff panning for gold and even as I said even if you have got struggles it can be harder and I don't want people to think it's easy because it's not always easy to find the good stuff but it's possible if you start looking because we have what's called a negativity bias so as human, beings, human beings it's an inbuilt mechanism to protect us so our brains scan for things that can go wrong that can harm us and that's there for our survival. But when you're, and even like through COVID for, it, you know, for everybody, and particularly with the news, if the nightly news, there's so much bad stuff that's highlighted on the news and that can make us feel anxious and worried and that negativity bias will never go away. And we don't want it to. It's there to protect us, to look out for us, if you like. But we've got to work extra hard at balancing it out with the good stuff, you know, so and trying to create those experiences for ourselves and our friends to keep us uplifted because there's nothing wrong with feeling sadness, there's nothing wrong with feeling anger, but we need to balance it out with some joy and some upliftment in our lives so that we feel lighter and we feel more energised to be able to keep take another step, particularly when the going is tough. And so I think at the moment, a lot of, I mean, it's it's hitting that end of the year time. A lot of people are approaching exams. A lot of assignments are getting, are coming up at the moment for a lot of young people. And you were talking before about your student coaching and helping people hit their academic goals. And so Bridger really wanted to know, when you start to feel yourself slipping in motivation, 
what are some really key things that, that we can be doing to help maintain that motivation? How can positive psychology help us? Yeah, absolutely. So we talk about it, I guess, as as an, one of the M's. We've got six M's and we could spend <laughs> quite a bit of time talking about all these different psychological skills, if you like, but M, motivation. And it's a really big topic. It's had publications upon publications over the last 100 years in psychology to understand what motivates us. And I guess I want to say first and foremost, even if you feel that you're motivated, say, for a specific subject, and there's actually been research done to show that subjects like art, for example, or sports or drama, people are more what we call in, intrinsic. So that means internally, like they're more excited, they're more motivated for those types of subjects. And they're less, they tend to be less motivated for subjects like maths and science, say, for example. Now, there are, you know, obviously clear examples of people that love maths and science, but I'm talking generally here that some subjects seem to be more motivating than other subjects. But even if you're, say, really into your art, say, and you're really intrinsically motivated, it's not normal to maintain high levels of motivation all the time. So we want to have a mindset. It's another M of ours. We want to realise that from day to day, and, and clearly if you've got a lot of things happening in your life, each day can be you can have good days and bad days. You can have, you know, good hours, bad hours. It's like that's, that's the normality of life is the ups and downs. You know, even if you've got that intrinsic motivation, there will be days when you don't feel motivated. So I just want to say that from the start. So people, because if you expect that, like if you expect to have, you know, mo really motivated days and less motivated days, you're not going to feel as frustrated when you're not feeling motivated on a day. So for example, I love the work that I do. I love positive psychology. But there are some days where I'm just tired, you know, I've been working hard or I haven't slept well and I'm not as motivated, even for a subject that I love. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when it comes particularly to school, there are subjects that you have to do, you know, and that's the reality of it. And that's where you're more likely to be what we would call extrinsically motivated. So they're, they're sort of big words, but basically it's it means if you were given a choice, Katie, like if you were given a choice to, to do maths or, n or not do maths, you know, you probably wouldn't do maths. So for me as a psychologist, anyone that studies psychology, and there might be some, some people that are thinking about that after today, just to let you know, you will have to study statistics if you want to be a psychologist. So you can read research papers and, and tell if they're valid and you know, reliable and, but most people go into psychology not realising that and then they have to do statistics and they hate it. <laughs> it's really hard and it's a lot of maths and a lot of people that come into psychology are more, I guess, art, you know, type people or people person. They're not necessarily numbers people. So, yeah, so even in the subject that you love, there still might be aspects of it that you're not that motivated, such as statistics. But, yeah, so say for maths, if you had a choice, you wouldn't do it. So if there is a subject that you're studying now for your exams and you ask them, Katie, you know, if you said to them, oh, you don't have to do it, I'm sure there'd be some subjects that people they would drop immediately and not do it. But the reality is that you have to, as far as I'm aware, at least do maths, English and science. So if it's not 
a natural talent or strength of yours if you if you don't love it, which is that intrinsic motivation. The trick here, and it's not really a trick, it's scientifically proven, is you've got to find a way, a mindset of how are you going to think about that subject which is going to enhance your motivation. So we know how we think affects how we feel. So how we think affects how we feel. And a lot of people will know that if they get into a really negative mindset, then they're going to feel not great in themselves as well. So we know when it comes to motivation, if you're saying to yourself, I hate maths, I don't want to do this, you know, then that those sorts of, we call them the ants, the automatic negative thoughts, that when you have these ants and you can have a lot of them when you're really frustrated or you're not feeling great, that those thoughts then affect your energy, your motivational state, and then your behavior. So you don't actually do your homework, for example. So the thoughts have affected your emotions and energy and then your behavior. And then the behavior, your mindset is creating the outcome. So if you don't do your study, then you're not going to get good at it. You're not going to be good at it and you're not going to get the, you know, the outcomes. So one thing is firstly, catch the ants, even write them down because they're a problem, you know, so (laughs) even write them down because sometimes when they're in your head and they're going round and round, you can believe them to be true. And it's really important to understand that thoughts are not fact. Thoughts are not necessarily facts. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. Truly, it's not easy. Like, It sounds simple, change your thinking, but it's actually quite challenging. But one simple thing you can do is to write them down first and foremost and look at them and then ask yourself, is that true? Is there any evidence for that thought? Because sometimes they're quite irrational, like there's no evidence for, you know, that you're no good at maths. In fact, you might have more evidence to show that you've improved, say, in the last however many years, whatever. But the key question to ask yourself is, and you can even write these questions down, how is it helping me? How is it helping me to be saying to myself, I hate maths? Because ultimately, based on what I've just said, it's not going to help you get through that subject and get a mark that perhaps an overall mark that you're trying to achieve as well. So how do I need to be thinking? So we've got to turn our ants into our pets. So pets are (laughs) performance-enhancing thoughts. So how do I need to be thinking? What are the pets that I need to have that will help me feel, and I'm not saying super motivated about maths, but what sort of thoughts might make me feel a little bit more motivated about doing the work that I, and when I say need, Ideally, you want to be able to say, I want to do this. So why do you want to pass maths? So even, again, getting really clear on why you're doing it, not because you have to, but because it's part of finishing, say, the whole of the HSC and then going to do something else after that, perhaps. You know, So when it comes to motivation, you've got to really find your why, why you're doing it for you, not your parents, not your teachers, not your friends. You've got to find it within yourself as to why and even then write that up I'm a big fan of lipstick on the mirror I know that won't work for everybody (laughs) or images you know having putting inspiring images of finishing these exams might allow you to do you know you might be given some sort of reward possibly I don't know or it might be the reward in itself of having achieved or accomplished something which also we know that this sense of accomplishment 
leads to elevated levels of well-being as well. So basically what you're saying is you've got to catch your ants, you've got to put them under a microscope, have a look at them and then make them your pets. Is that that's right? It. Very oh, simply, right. that's exactly it. Great. Well, I think those are some really good hot tips for us. Do you think there's any other kind of hot tips that you've got for anyone out there, anyone between, say, 12 and 20 who's kind of living their life at the moment, maybe approaching the end of the year? What what would be your hot tips? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, again, some people might have already done it, but there's a free character strengths assessment so you can go online and you can you know pass on that the the website to them it's the viacharacter.org i think it is and there's a free assessment that you can do again at no cost which is great and it will ask you questions and it will tell you what your 24 character strengths are so they're things like gratitude kindness forgiveness leadership modesty prudence which is about making wise decisions so there's 24 of them and you get your results and they rank order them from 1 to 24 so the top five are what we call your signature strengths so let's say for example you gave the list of 24 and, and I'm happy to share we've got a map of them which we can pass on if you like if you were to give that list to someone that knows you really well so even for you Katie if you've got a best buddy and you gave her or him the list and said which of these 24 character strengths do you think are my top five somebody that knows you really well can very easily spot them and they can say I bet you it's kindness you know I bet you it's social intelligence and I'm guessing here now too and I, I could be right you never know but to be able to do it for yourself it's a self-report questionnaire the top five are your signature strengths and they're what others tend to see in you that's what makes you you your unique self if you like but when you look at towards the bottom, please don't think they're weaknesses at the bottom because they're not necessarily weaknesses. They're called lesser, lesser strengths. So they might be strengths that you want to develop. So, for example, forgiveness sometimes sits in that bottom five where people get upset with other people and they hang on to a grudge, you know, and they don't let that go and they feel quite upset and angry. And we actually know from positive psychology research and from broader psychological research, it's really unhealthy to hang on to anger, even in a physical manifestation. So it can actually make you physically sick by hanging on to the anger and it can upset you emotionally as well. So learning to forgive, even if you decide not to tell the other person, <laughs> but if you think about it, it's a gift to yourself. So by letting go of those emotions, your well-being is benefiting. So if have a look and see where forgiveness comes. But it could be another strength such as self-regulation or self-control is uh, another way to think about it. And I have to say, though, the research has shown it's, it seems to be one of the most commonly occurring bottom strengths for people. So most of us like to think that we can set a goal and achieve it or you know, we can say we're going to watch less Netflix, you know, than we want to. But most of us aren't as regular or controlled as we'd like. But again, there are things that you can do to develop these character strengths. And that website, if you go to do the assessment, there's heaps of information and videos on there that you can look at. 
That's really great. Yeah, I'd love, we'd love to get that map off you and we could use that. I know for me personally, I've done the via strength oh, test. You? Did I guess correctly? You did. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my top ones is zest. And I'd never heard of zest before, but my bottom one was definitely self-control, definitely <laughs> sat there. <laughs> Mine too, when it, particularly when it comes to chocolate. <laughs> oh, gosh. Chocolate, really good TV shows. Uh, video games yeah you can definitely see the zest I have zest in my top five as well not all the time I do like my little afternoon naps when I can get them but we also know that people that have zest have a contagious effect on people around them so you often are giving your energy spreads just like a virus if you like so you if you've got zest, it's really important that you do take care of yourself because often one of my friends says to me, Susie, you're overzesting, you're overzesting. You. <laughs> Sometimes you can if you've been really energetic and socialising a lot. So I know for me I've got to really reinvest in my well-being so that I can then go out and bring my energy to the world as well. So I'm assuming you're, you're a bit like that maybe. Definitely. And I actually think that's one of the really amazing things about the via strengths test when you do it is they give you the information on these are some really great things about your strengths and then these are some things that are going to help you look after yourself. That's right. And that's the most important thing. It's lots of fun to do the free assessment, but the most important thing is thinking about how, how you're already using them, but then how else you could use them. And there's great research showing that if you link your strengths to your goals, so when we do student coaching, we get students to do the VR and then we ask them coaching questions around you know, which of your signature strengths are you going to be able to really use to achieve this goal? Or which character strength do you want to develop to help you achieve this goal? So there's great connections between the strengths and goals and coaching as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Susie Green, today for joining us on the Livewire podcast. Your insight is amazing. Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful to chat with you. Hello, Fiona Livewire here from another Mindful Monday and this one we're going to be doing a little colour meditation. So just take about five minutes. If you can find a comfortable place to sit down, either on a pillow or a chair. And just find some uninterrupted space. So if you want to turn your phone on silent five minutes, that'd be great. And we're just going to start by closing your eyes and taking in three deep breaths. So in through the nose and out through the mouth. Inhale and exhale. Inhale through the nose. And exhale through the mouth and letting go of the day that you've had so you can arrive to some nourishing time. And just letting yourself travel into your internal world now. This is a safe space. 
for you to relax and unwind. Now, like you're watching a movie, just imagining yourself walking through a beautiful field, feeling the grass on your bare feet, the air on your skin and the sun on your back. And walking up to a little forest. Just noticing if you can hear any sounds. You may hear some birds or animals. And up ahead you can hear a waterfall and a river running. So coming through this forest. Noticing the beautiful trees around you. Slowly you come to a river. At this river is a beautiful waterfall. And this waterfall is a particular colour. So let yourself choose the colour of this waterfall. And then you're going to walk down to the waterfall. And you're not going to get wet because this is a magic waterfall. And you feel the colour wash through you. So from the top of your head all the way through your body, this beautiful colour that you've chosen washes through you and down into the river below. And as it washes through you, it takes away anything you no longer need and then fills yourself with relaxation and calm. So just imagining this colour all through your body. Washing away anything you no longer need. And then filling you up with relaxation and calm. Really letting yourself enjoy this colour. And when you're ready, you're going to leave this beautiful waterfall and walk back down past the river and through the forest. Again, hearing all the sounds around you in the forest. And coming back to the beautiful meadow with the grass on your feet and the sun on your back. Taking a few breaths and coming back from this meditation into your room.
maybe giving yourself a little hug, having a little stretch. When you're ready, just opening your eyes again and thanking yourself for giving yourself this time to relax and just noticing how you're feeling after this meditation. So I hope you enjoyed that and look forward to talking to you soon. And that wraps up the 36th episode of the LifeWire podcast. Thank you so much to Dr. Susie Green for joining us today, to Fiona LW for her mindful words of wisdom, and of course to Bear Bear, Charlotte F, Sophie H and the Dodo Lord for letting us know what they do when their brain needs a little break to chill out. Now, at the top of this podcast today, I did hint at what is happening throughout the month of November. If you have not already heard, it is LiveWire's month-long celebration of pop culture and gaming, also known as Legend Convention. What that means for you is that throughout the month of November, we will have a truckload of guests on their way, popping into the chat rooms and live streams. We will be running themed quizzes throughout the month. We will have plenty of prizes to give away, as well as lots and lots of other stuff happening throughout this month that I don't even know yet. It is a massive surprise. I have been your host today. KDLW. This podcast could not have happened without Tommy LW, who is editing it all together. And of course, a massive thank you to you for tuning in today. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope that you have an excellent day and we will catch you for the 37th episode of the Livewire podcast next time. (laughs) 